Our reading today is from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Listen for the word of God. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And Peter began to say to them, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and the fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As he was setting out on a journey. This is how our story begins today, with Jesus on a journey. And he knows what his disciples don't. He knows that he is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on a journey to the cross when a man runs up and kneels before him. Now imagine yourself as this man for just a moment. He has been raised in the Jewish tradition and taught to obey the commandments. He has lived as his faith instructs, yet he senses there's more. And this feeling is so strong that he doesn't just walk, but he runs to Jesus. He's looking for affirmation and assurance that he has done all he needs to do or to be told exactly what he still needs to do. We can all identify, right? We want to know what the next step is. 
We want to know what we need to do to get an A in the class or to get that next promotion. We want to know what the expectations are. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This question comes right after our text from last week, where Jesus said, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Jesus has just explained that you can only enter the kingdom of God as a little child, which I understand to be completely dependent. And then the next sentence in Mark's gospel has a man asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Now, in the man's defense, he may not have been present when Jesus said this, but we, as the reader, certainly should catch the irony. So one of my favorite parts of this text can be easily overlooked. In response to the man saying that he has kept all these commandments since his youth, it says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He loved him. And this is the only time in the whole Gospel of Mark where it says that Jesus loved a specific person. Why this man? Did Jesus realize that he was really truly striving to obey God? Did he know that this man loved him too and was and deeply wanted to follow, but that his attachments to possessions would hinder his ability to fully follow? When Jesus says that he loved him, I wonder if he's saying that he loved him even though he knows that the man will go away grieving. For those of you in a growth group, this man's question should sound familiar. Our chapter this week began with the same question in a different context. A lawyer asked Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This question from the parable of the Good Samaritan was asked as a test, in contrast to the question being authentically asked by the man today. And even with the question being asked in, for very different reasons, Jesus' response shifts our focus in both narratives. Jesus finds a way to turn the focus from the person asking about their own salvation toward the gracious behavior to others. Just as the Samaritan is lifted as an example of a good neighbor, the rich man is presented with the call to go, sell what he owns, give it to the poor, and then come and follow Jesus. In both situations, the answer is found through serving others. Now this is a call story. As much as we may not initially see it as such, since the person doesn't appear to answer the call to follow, but I believe it is an invitation to reflect on times when God may have been calling us. And instead of following, we turn away, either because we're afraid or because it just seems too difficult. This passage is about discipleship. The way of discipleship is not easy. Jesus says those who follow will receive a hundredfold in this age, 
But don't miss the last part of that phrase, with persecutions. Discipleship isn't about simply seeking the next step, but realizing discipleship involves giving our whole self. The reward for discipleship is the way of the cross, not the way of material possessions. Now, as much as I might like to avoid the part in this text that says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, it's there. And I think if we're being honest, we know our wealth and possessions hinder our discipleship at times. The more we have, the easier it is to forget that all we have is a gift from God. And when we view our possessions as our own and our wealth as something we earned, we are forgetting that it is only by God's grace that we are able to be here and to even think about earning a living. Who gave us the skills needed to perform our job or to do well in school? Who gave you the ability to interact with people and to care for others? If we believe God gives us all that, then all we have is a gift from God, and we are then called to discern what we do with what we have been given. I think that one of the hardest things for us to do is to believe that we are dependent on God. Our culture tells us that it's up to us to earn a living, and if we just work hard enough, we can live the American dream. It's all focused on what we must do. And I've been reflecting on this in contrast to something that my mother talked about when she returned from Africa a couple years ago. She was so moved to see how, the, how much the people in Mozambique relied on God in their daily lives. It wasn't something they talked about theologically, but something they lived out daily. We can say we trust and rely on God, yet we know we have enough. In actuality, we have more than enough, and yet we aren't always filled with joy. Joy is what my mother saw in the eyes and the hearts of her African friends. Joy for being alive and gratitude for the gifts of that day and what they would bring as they trusted God to provide. Our congregation trusted God in this way during the All Things Possible Capital Campaign in 2015. The campaign moved very quickly from what we needed and what we were doing to how God was at work. Do you remember the prayer that we were encouraged to pray throughout that time? It's a prayer that is just as relevant today. Lord, what do you want to do through me? The focus of the All Things Possible campaign wasn't about what we were going to do, but what God was going to do through us. What started as a campaign to raise $1 million to pay off the mortgage quickly became about how God was going to use our faith community to participate even more fully in God's mission for the world. The shift in the spirit of the campaign was grounded in gratitude. I have a profound 
memory of Gratitude Sunday, of the communal and the personal experience of writing down things for which I was grateful on this beautiful card with a picture of our church kind of in the background. And I experienced God's presence as I sat here in this sanctuary alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ who were also reflecting and writing down what they were grateful for. And then I continued to be filled with gratitude and God's abundance in the weeks following as I took time to walk around the church and read those cards which people had placed up all throughout the building. The All Things Possible campaign helped us widen our vision. We are still deeply concerned for our members and care for each other through the vast array of congregational care ministries, including the visitation and rideshare ministries, the meal and prayer shawl ministries, the flower and Stephen ministries. But the All Things Possible campaign helped us expand our focus outward. It helped us to more fully embrace our call to also care and serve for those outside our congregation. This is where the second Saturday idea was birthed as we desired a more hands-on service opportunities for all ages. We are the body of Christ, young and old, serving God together. And this reality is lived out each second Saturday. I'm remembering one such day when a one-year-old sat on the floor in Wilson Hall, slowly but surely, placing sweet potatoes into a bag being held open by an older member. And then an older child who wasn't tall enough to reach into the big bins of sweet potatoes would pick up those bags and struggle but carry them across Wilson Hall, putting them in a pile where another adult was organizing how many would go to each of our mission partners. And as the morning progressed and it got harder and harder to reach to the bottom of these big boxes, youth of our congregation climbed in and got in the boxes and started handing the sweet potatoes out to those around. And once the boxes were empty, young and old, male and female, stood side by side, passing bags, one to the other, all the way from Wilson Hall to the parking lot where the mission partner trucks were being filled. It was a vision of the body of Christ working together to participate in God's mission for the world. For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. If it wasn't for God, our session would never have voted to have a capital campaign at that moment in the life of our church. If it was up to mortals, we would never have raised over $2 million. If we had been relying on our own abilities, the Holy Spirit would not have been able to work through the cardboard testimonies shared here between the font and the table on Ministry Sunday. If it wasn't for God, we would never have had members serving God in Greece and Appalachia, Washington, D.C., Nashville, and Franklin just this year. Because all things are possible for God, our faith community was able to lean in and let God work through the All Things Possible campaign, just like we continue to trust God to work through the ministries of our community each 
and every day. For those of you who weren't part of our community in 2015, you can tell this was a very meaningful time for many reasons. But maybe the most important was how it transformed us into a more grateful community. In the words of Diana Butler Bass in her book, Grateful, she says, how we live together in and with gratitude makes all the difference in the world. Gratefulness can change things. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Inheritance is more about belonging to a family than doing something to earn it. That is exactly what Jesus is telling the disciples in the last part of this passage. Those who choose to follow will receive a hundredfold now in this age and in the age to come. You will belong to a new community where many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Where status, power, and divine favor are not tied to wealth. Where we are all children of God, equal in God's eyes, and can only inherit eternal life by God's grace. If our primary concern is our own salvation and how we will inherit eternal life, then we've missed the entire message of the gospel. It's only when we stop relying on our own abilities and start depending on God that we can begin to understand today's message. When we shift our focus to what God is doing and how we can participate in God's work by serving others, then we will find ourselves on the path of discipleship. To inherit something by definition means something is given to you when someone dies. This story is about Jesus and what God will do through Jesus as he journeys to the cross and beyond. Friends, for God, all things are possible. May we believe and embrace it daily. Amen.